0: Welcome to Meadowbrook Church, loving Jesus by loving people. For more information about who we are, find us online at www.meadowbrook.ca. All right, grab your Bible, grab your phone, grab your tablet or whatever, and meet me in Colossians chapter 1. If you need a Bible, there's a Bible on the pew in front of you. You can turn to page 1182 in that Bible. And we are plugging our way through our series that we've called Renovations, Being Transformed to Be Like Jesus. It is the journey that every Christ follower is on. That as we have said yes to Jesus, as we have called him Lord of our lives and bowed our knee to him and are walking with him, we are now in this renovation process. We are in this process of being made new. We are in this process of being made more like Jesus. Uh, We call this process spiritual formation. It also gets called things like sanctification or regeneration. Uh, We're using the term renovation as well as we go through the series, obviously. But I really like the term spiritual formation because it just reminds us that it is the Holy Spirit who is working the change in our lives. I can't make myself more like Jesus. I can't deal with my sin entirely by myself. The Holy Spirit is working this change in me. He is doing the forming to make me more like Jesus. My job is to connect with him. My job is to engage with the Spirit so that this can happen. And so a key verse for us has been Romans eight twenty nine for those whom God foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that God is wanting to raise up for himself a people who reflect the character of Christ that we would do the things that Jesus did we would say the things that Jesus said we would reflect the character that Jesus reflected that we would be more like him not just in imitating him but that God would change us so that we would actually become more like him by the Holy Spirit so the renovation project idea is a good metaphor for us. That we all have stuff in our lives that is sinful, that is broken, that is shameful, that is hurting. God is wanting to tear down that stuff in our lives and make us new. He is wanting to build up what is good, what is holy, what is pure, and he is wanting to do that work in us. And in the first week of the series, I used this picture from my own life of uh, going to the doctor a few years ago and finding out I had a vitamin D deficiency, which is not a huge deal, but it can cause major health problems if it's not dealt with. So nowadays you can take a supplement and that can solve the problem and there are no issues. But as I learned, More about vitamin D. Uh, You can take in vitamin D through certain foods. There are certain foods that do have it. But you can't take in enough through food. Your body can't absorb it enough. The best and easiest and cheapest way to get lots of vitamin D is just to get into the sunlight. And the sunlight gives our bodies all the vitamin D that we need, about 20 minutes of sunlight a day. And your body will get all the vitamin D that it needs. And that's important for our bone health. It's important for our mood. It affects our body chemistry in lots of different ways. And so there's an easy solution. Uh, I can't generate vitamin D on my own. But I can put myself in the sunlight And as I put myself in the sunlight, uh, that change happens in my body. I get everything that I need. And that's a decent picture of what spiritual formation is. We can't make ourselves more like Jesus, but we can put ourselves in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And as we do that, the Holy Spirit will do the work in us. Our job, our role, we do have a part, is to get ourselves into the presence of the Lord. And so the last few weeks we have talked about kind of the overview of what spiritual formation is we've talked about the sin problem that we need to be formed away from we've talked about who we are being formed into last week we talked about the fruit of the spirit and for the next number of weeks we're going to talk about uh, much more practically what does that all mean then so we understand that we are in this renovation project God is renovating us we understand that God loves us just the way we are but he also loves us too much to let us stay the way that we are and that he is wanting to make us look more like Jesus we understand that our our sin is a problem and that he is wanting to form us into someone who looks more like the Lord. But we want to talk about how do we do that now for the next number of weeks. And so as a staff last year, we took a good chunk of time to discuss this and think about this and talk about what does it mean to be spiritually formed? What does it mean to be more like Jesus? What does that process look like? Uh, What should we be doing as the people of God? What is our role? Uh, What do we want to be growing in? What do we want to emphasize? And so as a staff, we've come up with five things we believe that there are five things that are are on us to do as we engage with the Holy Spirit so that we can be changed so we're gonna take the next number of weeks and unpack one of those each week we've been calling them the big five so we're gonna start with the first one today before we do I want to show you a short YouTube clip Uh, it's I'll explain it after I don't think I need to explain much it'll be very self-explanatory as we watch it Uh, let's take a look please So, some of you knew what was going to happen right away. As soon as you saw the setup, you're like, I know where this is going. And it's one of those things, I've never cut down a tree myself, but I would know enough to say I probably shouldn't just do it on my own. I should probably know what I'm doing before you engage in something like that, right? A little knowledge goes a long way. I have seen other people cut down trees and they just, they know how to work the angles. They know what kind of cut to make. They know what side you cut on so that it falls the right way and all that stuff. These guys obviously didn't know what they were doing. A lack of knowledge did a lot of damage that day. A little knowledge can be very helpful, a lack of knowledge can do a lot of damage. And as we talk about growing in spiritual formation, becoming more like Jesus, as we talk about presenting ourselves to him so that he can do that work in transforming us, the first thing that we're gonna talk about this week is we believe that in order to do this, we need to be growing in the knowledge of God. And there's lots of different ways that we can grow in the knowledge of God, Uh, but let's take a look at our text this morning as we get ready to jump in. So we're in Colossians chapter one, And we are starting in verse 9. The Apostle Paul is writing, and he says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, church, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will, through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, So that's just a great little passage. That's just a great few verses. There's lots of really good stuff in there. And as we talk about growing in the knowledge of God towards us becoming more like Jesus, Again, we can grow in knowledge through our experience of God. We can grow in our knowledge of God through the Holy Spirit, as we experience the Holy Spirit. We can grow through our knowledge of God by hearing from other people and what they have learned about God. And we're going to engage with a lot of these as we go through the series. But today, as we're talking about growing in the knowledge of God, we're just going to focus on one particular way, and it's actually the easiest way to grow in the knowledge of God, and that's through Scripture. And we talk about through the Word of God, through His Holy Word, letting God's Word transform us. God's word does the work of forming us and making us more like Jesus. Our job is to engage with that word. Uh, the Bible is there to transform us but it doesn't do any good if it's just sitting there and we never pick it up we have a role to play in this so in spiritual formation of growing in the knowledge of God we are talking about letting God's word transform us and we'll walk through Paul's words here as we go through so starting in verse 9 for this reason since the day we heard about you we have not stopped praying for you uh, in the first few verses before we get to verse 9 Paul has been talking about hey for the the Colossian church the gospel has come it has been declared and they are really all in they are jumping in with it the gospel is there the gospel is doing its work the gospel is spreading so for that reason that's the reason he's talking about since God is at work amongst you For that reason, since the day we've heard all that God is doing among you, we have not stopped praying for you. When Paul says we, he's meaning his team, his ministry team, probably the other apostles as well. And I just love the way that sounds, because Paul, like, if you've read Paul, Paul can be kind of a jerk sometimes. (laughs) Paul's very blunt. Uh, At times, he's very hard-hitting. His most uh, important driving factor in his life is the gospel and his truth. And so sometimes the truth hurts. I think Paul would probably be a big fan of that saying. And so he's always wanting to make sure the theology is solid and that everyone's believing what is true, that there's nothing false allowed to creep in. Sometimes he's very forceful in the way that he does that. Uh, but then there's sometimes we see kind of a, a warmer, fuzzier side of Paul a little bit. Uh, this is just a very pastoral heart. Just, oh, I have not stopped praying for you, church. Since I heard about all that God was doing among you, I just, I haven't stopped praying for you. And he's going to get into in the next verses what he's praying for. But this is also very much our heart for you, Meadowbrook, as a leadership. We never stop praying for you. We are praying for you every day. And sometimes that specific needs that you have that come to our attention, and sometimes it's just praying for the church. We are constantly praying for God to protect our church. We are constantly praying for God to provide for our church. We are constantly praying for God to pour out his spirit on our church more and more and that we would be people who are looking more and more like Jesus like we are praying for you every day uh, in meetings as we come together individually on our own Um, we just so love what God is doing here at Meadowbrook Church we love what God is up to and we just want to bless it and we are excited to be a part of it and honestly we just want more and our prayer constantly is more Lord more Holy Spirit more revelation more work in our lives let us see more salvations let us see more signs and wonders let us see more of your moving of your spirit let us see more of what you want to do at Meadowbrook Church, not just in our church, but overflowing into our community. We are praying for that constantly, and we hope you will join us in praying for that. We hope that we're on the same page on that, that we want to see God move in us and through us. Amen, 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 amen. Thanks, guys. Awesome. (laughs) Moving on, verse 9 and 10. We continually ask God— so this is what he's praying for, specifically— we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. So there's that word, knowledge, that we're talking about today through all the wisdom and understanding that the spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the lord and please him in every way and so this verse two verses remind us Uh, it's ultimately not about us, right? It's not ultimately about us. God loves us and and is pouring into us and is walking with us and cares for us, but it's all ultimately not actually about us. He's wanting, uh, Paul wants God to fill us with the knowledge of his will. What does he want from us? But it's first of all, through the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. We don't do it on our own. We can't understand God on our own. The Holy Spirit reveals the Lord to us. The Holy Spirit gives us wisdom. The Holy Spirit gives us understanding. If we understand something in God's word, it's not because we're so smart. It is because the Holy Spirit has opened our eyes and made God's Word come alive to us. And this is happening so that we will live a life worthy of the Lord, that we would live a life devoted to Him, holy before Him, and that we would please Him in every way. Now that's a lifelong journey. None of us are nailing this perfectly. But this is also a good uh, kind of spiritual formation verse. This is the kind of people that God is making us into. He is making us people that understand his will, that are full of the Holy Spirit, of wisdom and understanding, living a life worthy of him, and living a life that pleases him. That is what he is forming us into. I said last week, there's a lot of great verses that tell us who God is trying to make us into as we look more like Jesus. This would be another one of those. So the Holy Spirit comes to bring the knowledge of God, the wisdom of God, the understanding of God. And that's important because there are even uh, some streams of the church, and it's even a little more popular these days and kind of some of the newer expressions of the church that talk about uh, kind of the mystery of God, that God is, is mysterious and unknowable. And, and it is very reverential, and it, it speaks into the holiness of God and the vastness of God and the transcendence of God. And of course, there is always going to be an element of God that is mysterious to us, right? We say the Lord works in mysterious ways. We've all probably had that experience. His will isn't always clear to us. Uh, it doesn't always make sense to us, maybe. And just because we are mortal, and he is not, there will be an element of God that we, that we don't fully understand in this life. He is transcendent, so far beyond anything we know. Even as I say that, however, it is very clear in the New Testament that in Jesus and the Holy Spirit, God has come to make himself known to us. So it would be very easy for us just to say like, well, you can't really know God, so you know, why even bother trying? But the scripture does not allow us that. The scripture says, no, in Jesus, God has come near to us to make God clear. Actually says the apostles and the prophets and, and those of the past before Jesus came, those who uh, walked with the Lord and those who, who knew the Holy Spirit, they were so excited for the day that you and I get to experience every day. They wanted to know God better, but they weren't going to get to see the Messiah. So they looked forward with faith to the day that the Messiah would come. You guys get to experience what the prophets of old wanted. You guys get that. You get to know who Jesus is. You have met the Messiah. You get to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So in Christ, the mystery of God becomes very, very tangible, comes very, very much down to earth. We can know God because to look at Jesus is to know God. And so there is a level of understanding that we have that they just didn't have before Jesus came. And that's incredible. That we have the Holy Spirit living inside us, who is showing us who God is, who can answer our questions, who can lead us in the way that we should go. In the Old Testament, if you wanted to know what God was thinking, you had to go find a prophet. Now you need to just look to the Holy Spirit who lives inside you every day. And not that there's not prophetic gifts that can help us along the way. But we just want to be clear on this, that of course there will always be a side of God that is mysterious to us uh, because we're not face-to-face with him. That while we're on earth, that will always be part of it. But we are invited to know the Lord, not just know about the Lord, but to know the Lord. We are invited to know his will. We are invited to grow in the knowledge through his scripture and through his spirit. And that is really exciting. That is a promise that is given to us. So God's word, God's scripture plays such an important part of this because that's really the clearest way that he has spoken. God has spoken to us through his word. So very simply and very practically, the Word reveals God and reveals His will to us. And that is so crucial to our spiritual formation. We cannot worship a God that we don't know, and Scripture tells us so that we can know God better. We can't worship a God that we don't know. We can't obey a God that we don't know. How would you know what He wanted you to do? But Scripture tells us what He wants us to do. We can't be formed to be more like a God that we don't know. How would you know what you're being transformed into? But God's word tells us what we are being formed into so that we have those things that we talked about last week, those scriptures that we can aim at, saying, Lord, make me more like that. So God's word is crucial to our spiritual formation because it helps us to grow in the knowledge of God of who he is so that we can worship him of what he wants so that we can obey him and of who he is so that we can be formed to become more like him. The word of God reveals God to us and reveals his will to us and so you've maybe had the experience of reading something in God's word about God that's made you go oh wow I never saw that before that makes me want to worship. There's something about it that just, wow, his holiness, his transcendence, his power, his glory. But there's something in there that just makes me want to worship him because he has showed me something about himself in his word. Or maybe there have been times you've been in the Bible reading or you've heard a sermon or you've read a book or heard a podcast or something. And there was something that went, "Ooh, wow. Oh, that's me. I got to change that in my life. Some conviction has come. Or here's something that I should be doing. I need to take a step to reconcile with that person. Because this scripture reminded me of that. The scripture comes to show us who God is. It comes to show us what he wants of us. Both the things that we should be doing and the things that we shouldn't be doing. So we can't be transformed without God's word in our lives. It's there to help us become more like who Jesus is. Moving on through our text. Paul has said, I've been praying uh, that you live a life worthy of the Lord. You would please him in every way. And then he unpacks more what that means, bearing fruit in every good work. So doing good things. We talked about fruit of the spirit last week, growing in the knowledge of God. That's our theme this week, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. So again, this idea that God is doing it, but this is what he is doing. That we would be people, as we are being transformed to be like Jesus, we would be people who are bearing fruit in our good works. We are growing in the knowledge of God, the understanding. He is strengthening us to make us more enduring and more patient, and it comes back to worship. That eventually, as all these things are happening, we are thankful. We are giving joyful thanks to the Father. We are praising him, we are acknowledging him. Why? Because he has qualified us to share in the inheritance of his holy people. We don't earn our way into this in any way. He has made us. Like, how do you get into heaven? you got to be qualified. How do you get qualified? You can't qualify yourself. He has declared you qualified as you put your trust in Jesus and as you honor him as Lord. That he has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people. He has done it. And so that is another great verse. This is who we are being formed into. And sometimes these things are overwhelming because we say... I see a lot of areas where I don't have a lot of knowledge of God or where I don't have a lot of patience or I'm not maybe worshiping the way the scripture talks about I should be worshiping and it's easy to be overwhelmed. But the most important thing in all of this is the idea that we are growing into this. We are growing into this, right? I don't get mad at my seven year old son because he's not six feet tall. He's growing into that maybe, hopefully for his sake. Right? It's a process, it is a process. And just like my kids growing, when my kids are growing, it was Kaylee's birthday this weekend, and so we measure them, we measure their height every birthday, and so uh, as we're measuring, they're like, oh, they've grown a few inches since we measured them last, which was six months ago. And so they're, they're on track, they're growing, but like day to day, you don't notice the growing happening, right? But then all of a sudden one day you're like, how are you in a size nine? You were in a size eight yesterday, what just happened? Like we just, they just grew it seems overnight. And of course that's not true. But the growing process is a minute by minute, day by day experience. You don't always notice it when it's happening. But then there are points where you just kind of look back and you go, oh wow, hey, look at the lines on the wall. Our kids are growing, they are getting bigger. You can't tell moment by moment, but it is happening. Our spiritual journey is a lot like that. It is a slow, day by day, minute by minute process. You don't always experience the feeling of it in the moment, but then you can look back and say, oh wow, I do see that change is happening. It's slow and it's taking time, but we are growing up into these things. I have a professor of spiritual formation who's in his 60s and, uh, and he's starting to slow down. He's kind of semi-retired, but he has been studying spiritual formation for uh, almost 40 years. And he has given his life to this, and he has written books on it. He's read everything ever written on the topic. And he has also given his life to going and experiencing what the body of Christ is doing all over the world. And so he would do things like uh, go for a few weeks and spend some time at a Coptic Christian monastery in Egypt with Egyptian monks and spend time with them for a few weeks. How are they growing in in what it means to be Christ-like? And then he would go with indigenous First Nations people and spend some time with them, Christians, who are uh, growing in faith in their way. And so he has gone all over Europe and all over Asia and different places and just experienced how is God growing his people in different cultures and around the world. I say all that to say, if you can be an expert on this stuff, he's probably an expert. I don't know if you literally can, but, you know, he's got a PhD, Uh, he's written books, read books, been all over the world, and and knows his stuff thoroughly. And so he was a teacher of mine in my first year of my degree I'm working on now, and he taught us sort of introduction to spiritual formation. And I asked him at school, I went up for a week, and we were having breakfast one day, and I just said, so, like, how do you know if this is happening in someone's life? Because it's, it, it's kind of hard to measure. Like, how, do you, how can you tell if spiritual formation is happening? Because uh, sometimes I don't feel like any spiritual formation is happening, right? And day by day, we don't always notice it. So how do you know? Like, how can you tell? What are we looking for? Like, when you look at someone's life, what are you looking for where you would say, yes, God is working change there? What is it that you are looking for? And he said, it's one word, and you're probably not going to like it because it's, it's a little abstract. And I said, lay it on me. And he said, increase. And I said, increase in my head. I went, that's stupid. That doesn't make any sense. I didn't say that out loud because he's way smarter than me. who have been disrespectful, but he said, increase. He said, are you increasing in these things over time? Are you increasing in your understanding of scripture? Are you increasing in your understanding of prayer? Are you increasing in the fruit of the Spirit over time? When you look back, is there more patience in your life than there was 10 years ago? Is there more love in your heart than there was 10 years ago? And, and no one is nailing all of the areas at once, but his point was that's all we're looking for. And so it doesn't matter if you've been walking Jesus for, you know, walking with him for decades and decades, and you're way ahead of some other people in terms of your maturity, or if you're brand new to Jesus, or this is all brand new to you. Uh, the goal is the same. Are you moving forward? Are you growing over time? And the goals are not going to be the same, depending on who you are and where you're at with Jesus. So we can't measure ourselves by each other, and we shouldn't. Because my journey is not your journey, and your journey is not my journey. And we all have different personalities. We've walked with the Lord different lengths of times. He is working on different things in each of us. So we're not to compare ourselves to each other. We are to compare ourselves to who we were one year, two year, five year, ten years ago. And to say, is there increase happening? Not in every area, probably, but do I see change over time? That is what we are looking for. Peter said it this way, 2 Peter 3.18. So grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. So grow in the grace and the knowledge of your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Uh, Those two things go together and so to grow in the grace of Jesus I think is one to understand more and more what his grace is, to understand the gospel, to be growing in in how uh, his gospel is working in our lives, but it also I think means as we become more like him that we are also becoming more gracious, right? He is the perfect picture of grace, so we should be growing in grace towards others as well as we grow up into that, but it's grace and knowledge together and there are some people who are full of grace they are just the the most loving gracious gentle people you'll ever meet Uh, they maybe don't have a lot of knowledge of god in their lives they don't read their bibles maybe as much or they don't know the scriptures or or they don't have a lot of that knowledge on the flip side i know a lot of people especially in the academic world who are full of knowledge and maybe are not overly gracious at all so these things go together to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. If I have all grace and no knowledge, it's very easy for me to fall into error and to go off track and to fall into sin. If I have all knowledge and no grace, I can be a really, really smart person, but no one wants to be around me, and I can't express the knowledge in a way that people can receive, and that's not good either. So both of these things together, and if you find yourself leaning one way or the other, uh, that's part of the challenge for you then today is, all right, we'll have How do I then balance out the other side? How do I make sure I'm growing in both of these things together? Scripture tells us some things about itself, many things. I'm just going to hit on a couple today. Famous passage, 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture is God-breathed. We believe that the Word of God was not written by man, but God breathed through men to write it down, to give us the written revelation of who he is and what he wants of us. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And that's a pretty good formational verse. That's how the Word of God is formed us. It is teaching us what we need to know so that we're increasing in the knowledge of God. The Word of God is rebuking and correcting us when we are offline. That's forming us. The Word is shaping the rough edges off our lives. And it is training us in righteousness. It is showing us the way that we should go. It is making us aware of how we can walk in a way that is pleasing to the Lord. So the Word is doing its work uh, in us as God breathes through his word to form us. Another well-known passage, Hebrews 4.12. The word of God is living and active. We don't believe this is just words on a page that is good for us to intellectually understand. We believe that this is God's God-breathed living word which comes to do a work in us, which comes to show us who God is by the Holy Spirit, who comes to fill us with faith and with hope and with love who comes to convict us of sin, who comes to show us where we're off track, to come and show us where we need to go, to show us what we need to do, to show us when we're discouraged how we might be encouraged. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So you can see with passages like this how important the Word is to us becoming more like Jesus, right? We need this happening in our lives. We need to be taught and encouraged. We need to be shaped. We need to be convicted. We need the Word to come and do these things for us. The the Word of God comes to do a work in us. And as we engage with God's Word, we are changed. We are formed. He changes us through it. It also says in the Word of God, it uses pictures like uh, God's word is like bread it is like nourishment it sustains us spiritually it feeds our soul it is like light it just illuminates who God is it illuminates who we are it illuminates the path that we are to walk on the right way that we should go it's called life it is just it is sustenance for us in the spiritual life it leads us to Jesus who is the source of all life so you put all of these things together and we see how valuable this is that God's word is God breathe it It is everything that we need for life and godliness. It is every revelation of God that we have to have to know who he is and how to please him. It is light that illuminates and shows us the way to go. It judges and convicts us and helps us walk out of our sin. It is life to us. And if I were the enemy, I would do everything possible to make sure God's people were not reading their Bibles. And we need to be very, very aware of that. And for most Christians, there is a bit of a struggle. And sometimes the struggle is just consistency or whatever. But, uh, you know, there is so much Bible available to us. But if I were the enemy, I would make sure you felt like you were too busy today. And then one day becomes two days, three days, four days, five days. Or, or would make sure you got frustrated because you, you didn't understand something. Or make sure you're distracted by your phones or whatever else. Like if I were the enemy, I would make sure I was doing everything I could to cut you off from the God-breathed source of revelation that connects you to the Lord. So let us be aware of that. Because scripture says we are not unaware of his schemes. That there is an agenda against you to keep you out of your Bible. So don't let that happen. Be aware of that and and don't let that happen. And we will talk a bit more practically as we go through this. Um, There is a a crucial side of we cannot walk with the Lord without scripture. We just can't do it. We need the scripture. It is so important to our walk with him. Uh, We'll get into the practical side of that in just a second. Paul wraps up our passage today. uh, Chapter one, verse 13, for he has rescued us For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. And that would be a verse that that alone would be enough to worship him for all eternity, right? He has done it. He has rescued us. We don't earn our own place. We can't fight our way to light on our own. He has rescued us. He does the saving. He does the forming. He does the transforming. He does all of it. Our job is to submit ourselves to him. The gospel is very clear. It's Jesus who does the saving. And that is one of the reasons we sing these songs every single week when we come together. Paul has said that this all should be motivating us to give joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of light. And so we worship him because he has done it all for us. Even if he had never done anything else but just give us breath and save our souls, that would be enough to praise him forever. Amen, 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 amen. Come on. Goodness gracious. 9 o'clock's is a lot livelier than 11 o'clock, I find. Jesus has done it, and so he is worthy of our worship always. He has rescued us out of that. And the, the gospel invitation for everybody is come out of the darkness. Come into the light. Come into the freedom that he has offered to everybody. And if you have never done that, that offer is for you today as well. Come out of the darkness. Follow after Jesus. Trust in him. He died on the cross to deal with your sin. He rose from the dead to bring you to life eternal with him. And the invitation is come and follow me. It's better than what you're doing in darkness. It's better. Freedom is better. Forgiveness is better. Life is better. Come and follow Jesus. I wanna talk for our last few minutes just very practically about this. uh, So hopefully clear how important God's word is Uh, But now how do we do it? How do we engage with God's Word in a way that's going to be meaningful? First of all, we need to find a format that works for us. Uh, I think a lot of people struggle. This has been my pastoral experience. They struggle with reading the Bible, not because they don't like the Bible, not because they don't think it's important, but they're trying to read the Bible the way other people read the Bible. And that just doesn't work for everybody. We're all just too different. So someone else's habits might not be great habits for you. Someone else's version might not be the right version for you. I have a a friend who's a professor, and he reads two hours of the Greek Bible in Greek every day, and he loves every minute of it. Now, that's not going to work for most of us. That's not going to be a helpful experience. Uh, I had a woman at a previous church once who came to me and said, she was a fairly new believer, and she said, I just don't understand the Bible at all. I just don't get it. And I'd said like, well, you know, that's that's pretty normal when we're new to this, right? It takes some time to understand, but we'd love to get you into a life group, and and we'll have some people who can help you understand. And she's like, yeah, just but even sitting with it, like it's just so hard to understand. It's not that I don't understand the the ideas behind it. I just I have such a hard time understanding the words. And I said, well, what are you reading? And she said, well, I'm reading the King James Bible. So the King James Bible was written in 1611, and it's beautiful and it's inspired of God, but it it reads like Shakespeare with a lot of words that don't mean the same thing anymore. Uh, A lot of the language, again, it's very poetic and beautiful, but if you remember studying Shakespeare in high school, you know, we had footnotes everywhere explaining what that weird word meant and, and trying to help us understand it. So her problem wasn't God's word, her problem was trying to understand 1611 English, which most of us don't read fluently necessarily. And so we got her an NIV Bible and all of a sudden everything became a lot more clear. Uh, Some people like to read early in the morning because it's just, we'll we'll establish the day in God's word and we'll make sure that we're set. And if I don't do it first thing, it's not going to happen later because I'll get too busy. Some people read later in the day because they've woken up and they're ready to dive into it. Some people do it on their lunch break. I don't really care how it happens. I care very much that it happens. And there is a world of resources out there. And, and this year, I haven't done this in a while, but um, I have an app on my phone, which I know many of you have, the Uversion Bible app. And there are a world of Bible plans on there that just tell you what to read every day. That would say February 23rd, this is your text for the day. And you can find them, there's a million different, um, you know, there's ones for men, for women, for parents, for families, for uh, an emphasis on the Holy Spirit, for an emphasis on Bible archeology. span Like there's just, there's something for everybody. And it's right there on your phone. And so I just, part of it for me was going, you know what? Our life has gotten a lot busier in the last little while. And I just want that accountability of having a plan to stick to it. And it's nice if you miss a day here or there, you can just catch up. And because our phones are smarter than us and creepy and learn weird things about us Uh, my phone realized somehow along the way that I usually read the Bible early in the morning and part of that is I I just like to start my day there part of that is I know sometimes if if my day gets away from me I'm just not gonna get to it so I do it usually early in the morning and I didn't do a setting for this it just learned this about me and now it buzzes at me like if it hits like 8 o'clock and I haven't read it yet it goes, Chris reminder your Bible and so it tells me hey just you can't forget And so we are, honestly, we are in our culture right now, we are without excuse. Uh, There are so many tools there that are helpful for us. There are podcasts, there are YouTube videos, there are uh, books galore, Uh, there's there's technology on our side, uh, but we do have to make the effort to do it, right? A Bible sitting on your bedside table is great, but if it's shut and you never pick it up, it can't do its work in your life. So there's not a lot more we can do on that front. Uh, A few years ago, we did a survey here about just how, what are our devotional habits and things like that. And, and a number of people, and it's, it's pretty common, I think, just said, um, oh, like I love the Bible and I love reading the Bible, but I just, I don't make the time for it. I just don't make the time for the Bible. And things like that showed up a fair bit. And that's like the one thing that I can't help you with at all. That's 100% on you. Uh, You have to be willing to make the effort. Again, all the vitamin D is available outside, but I actually have to go outside. I actually have to get up off my butt and go out there. And so we are without excuse. One of the things our phones do now as well, if you have the setting on it, it tells you how much screen time you're using every day. Have you seen that? Isn't it the most depressing thing in the world? I shut mine off because I didn't like seeing it. But to even just think about it, okay, how much time is my phone getting? How much time is social media getting? How much time is Netflix getting? How much time are my hobbies getting? Uh, how much time is God's Word getting? And, and I don't think it has to be equal, but but If you have time for all these other things, you have time for God's Word. We are all busy. You are not more busy than anybody else. We all have very busy lives, but it has to be a priority. We have to make time. And so we have to find a format that works for us. We have to find a version of the Bible that makes sense to us and that we can understand. We have to find a a procedure, a policy or whatever, a a format that we can engage in, a routine if that's helpful. Uh, And we have to find a way to do this. And so. Um, You know, we struggled with our kids uh, for a lot of years to find a really good Bible format for them. And we did it regularly. We did it every day. But um, we just kind of felt like, ah, they're they're doing it because we're their parents. They're not doing it because they love it or they're getting a lot out of it necessarily. And so um, for Matthew, who's seven, uh, last year we got him a comic book Bible. We just thought, oh, we'll try something new. And so it's, it's the NIV. It's all just scripture. There's nothing added. All the, the dialogue and everything is all scripture. But it's in comic book format, and it's well done. The artwork is awesome. And Matt gobbles this thing up now like you wouldn't believe. And so I would read the Bible to them at bedtime before. Sarah would read something in the morning before they went to school. Uh, and again, it was fine, but we didn't really feel like it was really sinking in. And now Matthew said to me the other day, Daddy, my new Bible is my favorite book. And I just went, oh, my heart's blowing up inside my chest. That's great to hear as a parent. And so it's not that we weren't trying, it's just we hadn't found the right format yet. And now we have found a format that is working and that is fruitful. And so if what you're doing in your Bible time isn't working, then try something else. Right? Like how long are we going to do something that doesn't work until we realize, hey, this isn't working, so let's try something new and let's find something that does work. So we need to find a format that works for us. I want to talk for a couple of minutes about our posture. We want to come to the word humble and open and expectant. The Bible is not like other books. Most books that we read, we are reading because we are trying to to master them, right? We are trying to learn what the story is about. We're trying to master this instruction manual. We are trying to learn about a historical figure or whatever it is that you're reading. We tend to approach text as this is something that I need to intellectually get on top of. The Bible is not like that. We don't master the Bible. We want the Bible to master us. And so when we come to the scripture, we want to come with a humility that says, I don't have this book all figured out. And I am open to whatever the Lord wants to teach me today. I want to come in with that level of humility. The level of humility that says, I I don't know everything. And other people might have ideas that that can help me understand. Uh, I want to be open to whatever the Lord wants to say. And to come expectantly. If we're treating the Bible just as our to-do list, we're probably not going to have an overly fruitful time. But every time we open our Bible, that is an opportunity for God to speak to us. That is an opportunity to be in his presence, to present ourselves before him and say, Lord, I am sitting with your scriptures right now. Would you come and speak to me through them? Would you come and show me something new? Would you come and show me who you are? Would you come and show me who I am? Would you come and reveal something to me that I need today? Coming with that level of expectation that this is not a religious chore that we have to get through because Chris preached a sermon that made me feel kind of bad. But to come in with a level of expectation, I get to encounter the living God through his word right now. I get to hear from him. He's going to speak to me today. And listen, not every time I open my Bible do I have this great revelatory time. Some days it does just seem. Uh, to kind of be a a bit of an exercise that you're going through. So I don't want to maybe set the expectation that it's going to happen every single day. But to come with that openness, with that heart, with that expectation, with that humility that says, I I don't understand this. The Holy Spirit today will help me understand this. I'm not going to come in thinking I've got it figured out. Lord, if there are things about you that I am believing that are wrong, would you show me what they are? If I need correcting in my theology, would you bring that to me? Would you show that to me along the way? So we want to come with the right posture towards Scripture. We want to be humble enough to acknowledge that we don't have it all figured out, open enough to let the Lord teach us and guide us and speak to us as he sees fit, and expectant to say, hey, I'm meeting with God now. I am putting myself in the presence of God so that he can speak to me and do his work in me. Finally, last one, or sorry, second last one. We want to seek to truly understand God's word. Uh, There's lots of passages in scripture that are difficult. There are things that are, are over my head. There are things that are challenging. It's a big book. It's a complicated one. It was written by many people from a culture very much removed from our current modern culture. So we wanna seek to truly understand it. If we don't understand something, we wanna be able to ask others to help us. And that can certainly be a pastor or a teacher. Uh, The best place to grow in this for us is a life group, to get into a life group where you're talking about scripture together. Together you're wrestling through the difficult passages. There are parts of scripture that are incredibly hard to read. They say things about God that we wouldn't like to think about God maybe. Or they talk about violence in a way that doesn't quite seem to be what Jesus taught us or whatever, there's there's a, a bunch of them. Uh, Again, it's a big, complicated book. And we understand it best when we wrestle through it together. When together we say, what can we learn and and how do we understand this? So we don't want to skip over the stuff that we don't get. We want to ask lots of questions. The tough stuff we really do want to wrestle with. Jacob wrestled with God. We are allowed to do that. We are allowed to say, Lord, I don't get this. It doesn't make sense to me. Help me understand it and wrestle through it again, especially with other believers. And then lastly, we want to not just understand the word. We want to live out. If we're not actually doing it, then we will just be people who are kind of smart in the Bible. We have a lot of ideas, we have a lot of head knowledge, but if we're not actually doing it, then we're not actually becoming more like Jesus. That the word comes so that we can have have our understanding to know him better, to know his will. It's doing its work in us so that we can go live out what the word tells us to do. So we don't want to ever just stop at knowledge or understanding. And that's not that easy to do sometimes, right? Because it can be fun just to kind of be in our church Bible study and say, hey, we learned a lot and I I want to worship him more uh, because I have new understanding about who he is. But now when it's time to go out and share the gospel with somebody, all of a sudden that gets a little trickier. But James says, we don't want to just be hearers of the word and so deceive ourselves. We want to do what it says. We want to live out what we are understanding as we grow in the knowledge of the Lord. There's a bit of a warning here as well as we talk about the knowledge of God. We're growing in the knowledge of God. That is a crucial part of our spiritual formation. It's not the only one. Uh, If knowledge of God was all you needed to be spiritually formed, then the Pharisees would have been the most Christ-like people who ever lived. They knew God's word. They knew it better than anybody else. And yet they are the ones that Jesus said were hypocrites who were actually far from God. So knowledge alone is not enough. There's a warning in scripture from 1 Corinthians 8 that says knowledge puffs up while love builds up. That knowledge on its own can just make us proud. It can puff us up. It can give us a big head. We can start to think we're better than other people, that we know more than other people. We start looking down on others. And that is not ever the goal of the knowledge of God. If anything, as we grow in the knowledge of God, we should be getting lower, right? Because we are more aware of our sin. We are more aware of his holiness. And so knowledge of God alone is not enough. I had a, a woman at a previous church, not this church, but a previous church I pastored at. And she had more biblical knowledge, I think, than anyone I've ever met who wasn't a professor and And she was just she was a pastor's wife, her husband had died. Uh, But she had gone to school and she knew Greek and she knew Hebrew and she knew everything. I swear she had the whole New Testament memorized. And she would be one who I would finish the sermon and we'd finish off, I'd say, Amen, have a great week. And I would come down the stairs and she would be making a beeline towards me. And she would meet me here to tell me everything I'd said wrong. And she'd be saying, you miss this, and that word in Greek doesn't quite mean that, and this, that, and the other. And and a lot of it was helpful, even if her attitude maybe wasn't the best. But uh, she just, she was a very, very knowledgeable woman. And yet, at the same time, she was kind of a bitter lady, and she was really self-righteous. There was a lot of pride there. She really looked down on some people in our church who were struggling. Uh, full of criticism, never heard her say anything kind or encouraging or uplifting. And it was just so interesting to me because I just went, okay, so obviously, lots of knowledge of the word alone is not necessarily making you more like Jesus. And it's because knowledge alone puffs up, while love builds up. Paul would go on in Corinthians to say, it doesn't matter what gift you have. It doesn't matter what knowledge you have. It doesn't matter uh, how the Holy Spirit has gifted you. If you're not loving people, you're just noise right? Like, love really is the most important thing. And so as we are growing in knowledge, we want to be growing in love at the same time, because otherwise, inevitably, our knowledge just makes us feel like we're better, we're smarter, uh, we have more information, we look down on others, and we don't want any of that happening. Come on up, worship team. We're just about done here we call called the year 2020 year of next levels at Meadowbrook Church. We're just, we're not wanting to be in the same place at the end of the year. We are wanting to actively be moving forward. We're wanting to go deeper in our walk with Jesus. And so we've been touching on this every week. And what does it mean to go to the next level upwardly and inwardly and outwardly? Upwardly in our walk with God, inwardly as we look within and deal with our stuff, and outwardly as we're engaging in the world around us. And so I'll give you a few thoughts here. You need to ultimately apply this message yourselves. Uh, You know where you're at better than I do. But in terms of upwardly, just to ask ourselves the question, where is God's Word in our lives? And just to be clear, maybe you're in an amazing place with God's Word, and if that's you, then maybe this message really isn't for you today. Uh, I'm not wanting to lay things on you if you're in a great place that are, are you're just feeling good, and you're feeling like you're close to the Lord there, and you're thriving in your walk with Him. If that's you, God bless you. Keep going. If that's not you, then what does that look like as a next step? And maybe it's just as simple as, hey, I am going to try a Bible reading plan on my phone that's going to help keep me on track and keep me accountable. Maybe it's someone else will keep me accountable. Uh, Maybe I'll read the Bible with someone else. Maybe I just want to get better at consistency. Uh, But where are you at in God's word? Where are you putting yourself into his presence through his word so that his word can do its work in your life? Inwardly, I, I think the big question there is your posture. How are you approaching God's word? Are you coming at it with that humility? Are you coming at it with that openness to let him change something that needs changing? Are you coming at it, and maybe this is most important, with expectancy? Are you coming at it expecting that I am going to get something from the Lord in my life today? Is our posture good as we are approaching the scripture? And then outwardly, are we living out what we are reading? every day when we read our Bible we should be able to come away with here's something I need to do today here's something just it could be tiny uh, but here's something I can take a step in to try and put this word into practice today are we living it out and where are other people at in your walk with God in in understanding the word again we would love everybody to be in a life group because that's where we sit as a family a smaller family than this a smaller group and just engaging God's word together you can't understand God's word fully on your own you just can't it's not possible he has put us in a family for a reason. We need each other as we wrestle through God's Word together. If you have any questions about the message today, we do have an email address, questions at meadowbrook.ca. We'd be happy to answer any questions that you have as we uh, wrestle through this stuff together and look to apply it to our lives. When Jesus was coming to the end of his life at the Last Supper, he was praying for his disciples and one of the things he prayed in John 17 17, he says, sanctify them in the truth or by the truth. Your word is truth. And again, that word sanctify, it's the word we're talking about. It is to renovate, it is to regenerate, it is to make holy, it is to make more Christ-like. Jesus' prayer for us was that we would be renovated by the Word of God, which is the truth we need to make us more like Jesus. And so we see how important this is to us as we live this out. We said earlier we cannot worship a God that we don't know, and we want to spend some time in worship before we go. So let us worship the God that we do know and are learning about as we grow in the knowledge of God. Would you stand to your feet with me, please? And we'll close in prayer in a few minutes.